This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by Tripping.com. Book the perfect vacation rental for your next trip by using Tripping.com slash badchristian. Today's show is also sponsored by Beachbody On Demand. Get a free trial membership when you text badchristian, all one word, to 303030. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. It's a big Christian podcast, the number one podcast in the world, the yep, dealing yep. with Christians in the world podcast. Bad Christian, we're number one. Billy we're number Graham one. We're number one podcast for Christians that, except for Christians, say we we the ship sailed. We're we're done. We're out. We just yeah. We've yeah. been, so we long, hadn't been Christians Christian. for a long time, and then we just still so keep, long. Rob Bell. It, so it was long, a trick to get Christian. money. We learned it from the pastors. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of pastors, I guess I guess maybe he's not considered a pastor. He's an evangelist, but old Billy Graham passed. He's away. America's mm-hmm. pastor. Yeah, he hey, passed yeah. away. Uh, you, you know, I I think that I, I was looking at some of the tweets. Obviously, we get heckled right when I saw the. Uh, and I, I I promise you, I get caught up in the same sort of thing. Like I do like to send out news. Um, you know, I think it's human nature, and sometimes I don't resist it. It popped up on my CNN app. You're a big. So I gossip. immediately tweeted it, and I said something along the lines of, "It's been a good run, sir," or something like that. Immediately, there's people tweeting about some of his maybe racial comments back in the day, or anti-Semitic com- mm-hmm. uh, comments back in the day, and it's just like that to me is a perfect example of just how jacked up we are nowadays in this political realm where we can't even just. Mm-hmm. honor someone for being a human. I mean, just just the fact that he was trying to do something good, we have to immediately jump on the stuff that that is negative, mm-hmm. and he just died. I mean, t- f- so for me, well, what if social media was around when Martin Luther King got shot? He gets shot, people are just like, we. oh, we lost a great leader. Oh, yeah, a great leader. He sure couldn't lead his wife because he was having sex with other women. I mean, come on. It's just like insane. Wow, yeah. Can we all just take a step back and be like, yeah, we all have stuff that we're not proud of. We've all said some things that we're ashamed of. And we, I think we'll all go to our grave being wrong about stuff. That's a part of being human. It wasn't too it's long ago so where the Billy Graham, you, if you were just trying to say, well, you know, I'm not, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm, nobody's perfect. I'm not saying I'm Mother Teresa or Billy Graham or anything. Like he used to, I mean, right. not long ago, he would be held as, well, if you were going to just try and talk about one of the best people that is, you know, upright and there's no problems with. He would have been an example up until relatively right. recently. He's just a the name you throw out is like a, a good person, like as a yeah. trope even, which of course is ridiculous in its whole the whole notion that that would exist that there's good people and bad people and perfect people is just it's just nonsense in the first place. Right. But it's very disturbing to uh, I mean just think about I mean. <laughs> Didn't Hugh Hefner get a lot of good stuff said about him when he just died? Which was fine. That's what you should say about Hugh Hefner and Billy Graham when they die. Good stuff, in my opinion. Right. That's just what yeah. I think you should do. But there's a lot of people that that are big on Hugh and bad on Billy. I saw something that really confused me, and I didn't actually see this firsthand, but um, 
this confuses me on two levels, so I'll just say it to y'all, and y'all can help me unpack it a little bit. But uh, do you remember we had Christopher Stroop on the podcast, the ex-evangelical guy that has that hashtag yeah. and some of the stuff that yeah. we've done with? And he was awesome. I really thought he was great on the show. I think maybe since he's probably less, but him and that community may be a little less big on us. Um, but it had sure. nothing to do with us. But he he tweeted, which confused me a little bit, that overall he thinks Billy Graham's legacy and everything is a net negative and he's not mourning or grieving him which I thought was interesting. But his larger point was that, which is the really disturbing part, was that he's seen the tons of tweets about people saying Billy Graham is bad and burning in hell and they hope he's burning in hell and crazy stuff. So there's a real vitriolic reaction out there. And it, I'm telling you, none of that stuff has anything to do with anything other than um, the... I mean, it's just indicative of the state we're in. It's people are against other people strongly that nobody yeah people are a lot less worried these days about helping people we're much more concerned with harming people that we think are the bad people like we want to fix society not by helping those who need helping but by hurting those that we think are bad it's a punitive it's sport. It's, it's, it's a sport. It's a sport. It's punitive in nature. So what do we want to do with all the rich people? Well, I guess to help poor people, we want to take away the rich people's money. It's not even about redistribution, for instance. I mean, this is just an example. I don't care about right. this, but it's the rich people. We want to help poor people, which is what you should want to do. In order to do so, we just need to harm rich people. That's the mentality. All right. Yeah. And and that seems extremely misguided but i but what sense could you make of like what would be in the person's head that's saying they hope bad things happen to billy graham or he's bad or he is negative or they hope he's in hell i mean what would possibly be the the way that what could possibly be precipitating the thought in that person well i I mean i mean honestly try to help me understand what it is okay well well here's one thing and this is where us three are even affected by this and are part of the problem you have to say what you're going to say about Billy Graham today because almost tomorrow no one's going to give a shit no That's matter true. what. So you're trying to get your platform out there, whatever you think, just because otherwise nobody's going to care at all. So you say the strongest, toughest, wildest thing you can immediately because that's the only way you might even get somebody to listen to you because tomorrow or expect, do you think anybody's going to be thinking? Uh, like, I mean, maybe by the time this podcast come out, nobody's even going to be thinking about Billy Graham or real, you know, it's it maybe it's kind of a nice story to some people. Some people hate it and all that stuff. And then also it it is just to build your platform and your fame and your brand and whatever that whatever you think about that. Like like just to get people to listen, to have followers and all that stuff. Because you're right, it it's absurd. Like of course Billy Graham did good for the world. Of course he also did some dumb things. That's true of every human on earth. Martin Luther King has been uh, uh, plagiarized his dissertation at Boston University. There's parts that were plagiarized. Does that take away from the amazing person and things that happened and the world-changing things that happened with Martin Luther King? No. So what good does it do the world to immediately bring up those things as opposed to using everything as an educational tool to say, hey, listen, think like uh, Billy Graham back in the 90s said AIDS was a God's judgment or whatever. To the next generation, you should say, listen, and when he said that, I, who knows where he stands now or stood yesterday or whatever. I don't know. But the the bigger thing is we should use all of this as education to the future, to the kids and to the future and, and everybody that's going to be working on the world in the future mm-hmm. to say, hey, you're going to mess up. You're going to say crazy things. Think through before, you know, what, what you're actually believing, what you, you're going to mm-hmm. change. 
all that's going to, you know, all these different things to, to bring up the worst thing about somebody is such a, a character, yeah, a yeah. character assassination on on either side. Should be pretty revealing about the person bringing it up is really the way I look at that. Like we, had, we had Juanita Broderick on and I, I what was crazy was Joey made this point. A lot of things that Bill Clinton did were amazing as a president. They were good. He, right. he has some good, possibly fucked up accusations and things against him, but that does not mean that Bill Clinton is all the worst person in the whole world. He might be, he could be, but I'm just saying like, it also from what I remember, there's a lot of growth and uh, prosperity through his uh, presidency. Well, so I, mean, I just wish, I, I, w- I wish we could just grasp some sort of, some sort of remnant of team humanity. Like right. We, also, we have pe- this I'm not for people raping people. And then <laughs> of course you're not. <laughs> I mean, yeah, of course you made that clear. It's insane that, that you even have to make that clear. But I mean, right. it's just I hope like, my point exactly. is, yeah, things like, can be good and you can give people a moment, but we're all worried about our platform, I think. Like, let, let's just start with the fact that we all have ridiculous, horrible stuff in our lives. We all have things we regret. We all have dark sides. I mean, my gosh, when... You know, Mother Teresa. I mean, so this this isn't offensive, but I think it's just as extreme that after Mother Teresa died, it came out that she was pretty much depressed through all of that and didn't feel like she had any connection with God. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like a huge revelation of of Mother Teresa's right. life. That's not offensive, but it's just as surprising as some evil stuff coming out about someone's life. Let me give you an example about what you're talking about, Billy Graham. Like you said, he said something. How do you know what he says today? I got uh, Jonathan Merritt just released an article, or maybe this is an old article, but he sent it to me today and said he thought it might be of interest. And you guys know I love Jonathan Merritt. But um, Jonathan Merritt, seven years ago, went to Billy Graham's house and interviewed him, like, you know, firsthand here. Yep. And was talking cool about right it. There. And uh, Jonathan Merritt's take is, is a very nice much more on the nice side of Billy Graham. He closes his article with saying that America's preacher has left us. And yes, yeah, a brand new article, but he had an interview seven years ago with Billy Graham. America's preacher has left us and we need him more now than ever. So that's the conclusion. That's the end yeah. of Jonathan Merritt's article. But inside he says, one, you know, he was talking to Billy Graham and Billy Graham said this, which I thought was great. He said, I came close to identifying the American way of life with the kingdom of God. Mr. Graham later said, then I realized that God had called me to a higher kingdom than America, and I've tried to be faithful to my calling as a minister of the gospel, in which case I very much agree with both Billy and Jonathan Merritt. That is what we need more than ever. The craziest thing about it and what might explain some of the anger against Billy is people don't like Franklin Graham because he's right. he's adopted the, right. the first part of that sentiment, which is I came close to identifying the American way of life with the kingdom of God. Surely we know that's just crazy and bad now. And Billy Graham once wrestled with it and seems like he came down on the right side of it. But since we've not heeded that, and he said this, he knew this seven years ago, at least. I mean, yeah. and, and from before. So I think that really sums up the, the whole issue to me is, yes, Christians, the kingdom of God equating that with America is, that is really bad. And, and so somehow people remember Billy Graham and are getting that wrong or maybe wrongly associating the deeds of Franklin Graham with, with Billy, but it's not, it's very well, unpleasant to see. Matt, wouldn't you also think it's probably because of Billy Graham's traditional beliefs on homosexuality and potentially early in his uh, ministry years, he, he probably didn't speak strongly enough against civil rights. I mean, I, I'm just guessing here. But well, yeah, I, I mean, everybody has their own reasons or whatever, but you're being dishonest if you pretend like you, you know, you can hold some... Uh, 
things. I mean, you can do the same with every politician until five years ago talking about gay marriage or whatever. So right. it's, it's, it's you're being dishonest if you're going to really pull. You know, if you want to tear somebody down, you can. We know that. That's always going to be possible with every human from now on. It will be possible to tear them down. It's revelatory about the person doing the tearing down is the issue, not what they're able, what dirt they're able to dig on Toby or me or Kevin Max. Yeah. Kevin, Word. can you hear us? <laughs> I agreed with all that, by the way. Thank you. Hell yeah. I never get pissed. Good, good, well, good. Well, that's not true. All right, so we got Kevin Max joining us right now. But you got to do what you can to save money when you can. So here is a good way to do it. Let me tell you about it. And it's tripping.com. Sometimes... Your van breaks down, your life's falling apart, and you just need a break, and I think you should go on a vacation. Now, Toby, you don't take a lot of vacations, so this message is for you. You should take more, and when you do it, you should book it through tripping.com. And I'll tell you why. You got kids. And so when you go on a vacation with kids, you wind up staying in a hotel room, and then bedtime is a disaster because they go to bed at 7.30, and you want to watch trash TV with your wife. Like, I don't mean ugly trash TV, just like the trash TV, like uh, court drama stuff, uh, 48-hour crime shows, uh, ridiculousness on MTV, stuff like that. You want to stay up and watch that, but your kids won't go to bed with that on. So you need to get something like a suite or a place with extra bedrooms. And how about a kitchen so you don't have to eat out every meal on your vacation? So these are the reasons, some of the reasons that you need to get a good vacation rental, which is what I highly recommend and do. And I use Tripping.com. So with Tripping.com, one search will let you filter, compare, and sort over 10 million available properties. And this is from all the trusted sites like VRBO, TripAdvisor, Booking.com, and more. So this one accesses and aggregates from all those because the average family goes to five different websites just looking around for a vacation rental. You can do it all right on tripping.com. You don't have to wonder if you're getting the best deal because you will be and you'll save an average of 18% per night by booking your vacation with tripping.com. So don't forget, you want to save time and money while booking the perfect vacation rental for your next trip. Head to tripping.com slash badchristian today. I'll spell it for you. T-R-I-P-P-I-N-G dot com slash badchristian. Tripping.com slash badchristian. 51. Gosh, I, that's so crazy. I this I always say the dumbest things when we have artists that I used to listen to, but you've been a part of my life, mister, since 1989, Christmas, when I got that cassette. <laughs> and that and that see that cassette ministered to me as a as a sixth grade young man. So I just want to say thank you. And I thank I'll, you for the decent I, Christian I, I, talk. Can I do one better? I was in college and the year was nineteen ninety four. And uh, we went to the Citadel University to see you guys play, DC Talk play. And I did not ever listen to Christian music. My, uh, my family was very backwoods Christian, so we didn't even listen to Christian radio. <laughs> I didn't even, all my friends talked about DC Talk. And I remember going and seeing you guys, and I was like, golly, that Kevin guy is so handsome, and he can sing <laughs> better than me, and it made me really jealous. So <laughs> My nostalgia one, I'll do one too, is the first time I ever played music in front of other people I played at a youth room at Greer First Baptist Church at a, a fifth quarter, and I played the drums, and we played Jesus Freak. It was one of the first, nice. one of the first times I ever played music in front of people, and I did a cover of your music. So, um, yeah, that's the nostalgia part. Now, I, I, I apologize to all. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kevin, uh, we're glad to have you on. We've had you on maybe it was probably two or three years ago. Early we had on, you on. Yeah. and when yeah, we put out the. An interesting thing happened as soon as we put out the uh, trailer for the What Would Jesus Sell film that we're 
filmmaking documentary, I started getting a bunch of texts and emails about from artists and people like, dude, this looks so good. I'd like to be a part of it. And I was thrilled that uh, somebody bumped or showed it to Kevin Max and he tweeted back. He's like, oh, dude, I'd love to be involved. I would be glad to talk about that stuff, which is really exciting. So we'll get to that, that later. Um, and just for the record, Matt, Kevin wants to talk about how he was one of the only ones that avoided all of that stuff. So go ahead. Yep. Right. He, the, bl- the, the blameless one, yeah. Right. But so we'll, right. we're going to do some interviews, and we'll talk about that, and we can talk about the movie and stuff like that. But Kevin said he's in a different place than he was last time he was on the podcast, and he has changed some since then. And I enjoyed the interview even before. I thought you were a oh, yeah. reasonable person at the time. But that was two or three years ago, and I'd love to know what has changed for you and where have you been since we talked to you last. Well, I meant geographically, like I was. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, like you moved down was, the street. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, we misunderstood. <laughs> I was in a studio. Well, there goes that angle. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know, I think I think as as any artist, um, you know, their their mantra should be or their mantra should be ch- constantly changing, uh, constantly progressing, or. Um, you know, there's no reason to keep going, in my opinion. You, know, you become stale, and uh, so I think every everybody grows emotionally, spiritually, definitely physically. I've grown a little bit, um, and continue to. Uh, I feel like I'm I'm still on this journey of of trying to figure out what I believe in the first place, and and uh, the older I get, the more questions I have. Preach. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, two years ago when we were talking, I think I had just uh, left Audio Adrenaline. Audio Adrenaline uh, had me as their singer for a couple of years. And I came on as a friend of Mark and and, um, Will's. And uh, the main focus of that was to raise money for Hands and Feet Project in Haiti. And I love doing that. But being sucked back into the the uh, the, the mainstream CCM, uh, you know, industry, if you will, didn't really sit well with me. And after being on the road for two years, I just kind of we we had some differences with management and whatnot. And um, I just wasn't the best fit for them. And uh, I was, you know, let go in, in one way and. I kind of stepped down in another and whatever, whatever you call and it. And part of that was because of the just the vibe and the world of the CCM thing? Were you getting burnt out? I just think, I don't, I think they were moving on to more of a modern worship context. And that's what was told to me. And I kind of wanted to make Audio Adrenaline a little bit more of a rock and roll band, which is what they started out as in the very beginning. Yeah. But I also got tired of the whole, um, the whole thing. And, and, you know, when I went, solo again you know i made this record broken temples which was around the time that we were talking and uh it was kind of a bridge record to the people that grew up with me um in dc talk and it was also a bridge record to the people that have been with me as a solo artist since stereotype b and those are two very different crowds i mean the dc talk crowd is obviously more of a ccm crowd and my solo crowd from stereotype b till now knows that I'm more of an alternative artist and I, and I'm, you know, on the periphery of the, the industry. I'm not, I'm not, I really, really don't like to play the, uh, by the rules and regulations. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
Kevin, as somebody that's been in the CCM, we throw that term around and stuff like that, and we've got a pretty broad audience. So let's, and as we're thinking about the film stuff too, let's see if we can talk a little bit about and give people a picture of what is it, what is the CCM world like in a comprehensive way? What does it feel like? What's different about it for people that, that, that don't even know? CCM uh, standing for Contemporary Christian Music. Well, obviously today it's completely different than it was when we started in 1987. What was it know? like then? Uh, what it was like then was a little bit more like every other industry or every other entertainment industry. You worked hard. You put on a, you, you tried to put on a, sh- a live show um, that would, uh, you know, entertain people to the to the ultimate. Uh, uh, and you tried to make records that would obviously uh, bring in as big an audience as possible. And I think there was a lot more experimenting in those days. I don't think there was as much of a formula mm-hmm. as far as stylistically as yeah. we see right now. Well, there's so much uncharted territory. It was Wild West or something back then? I mean, modern worship hadn't really appeared until 2001, and that all changed everything. And so, you know, DC Talk uh, was a band that was trying to be the alternative to REM and Run DMC and everything else out there. So when we made records... Our peers were more general market artists, and that's what we looked to to try to create the best possible art. Um, so you, think, at that time, you saw it as a Christian substitute for other popular music. but the And so some people laugh at that idea, I think. But on the other hand, yeah. it's quite interesting to hear you say that because we just think— if you don't think about it critically, you go, oh, Christian music is this this cheesy thing that developed. But it actually existed in a different way before it developed in what you said is the modern worship context, yeah, which un- didn't come around until 2000. The, 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 the Christian labels were trying to say, okay, what's the alternative for the stuff that's working in the general market? I say that, unfortunately, because I'm a believer in the fact that all music should be all music. It shouldn't be, you shouldn't have a title on it. It shouldn't be subjugated. It shouldn't be put into a box and I don't truly think that there should be Christian music as opposed to, uh, you know, general market mm-hmm. music. I think it should be all music. Uh, and um, you're either good or bad. So how did it change, though? Yeah. It went from being, you were trying to sound like R.E.M. and Run D.M.C., like these really, I mean, you're trying to make contemporary music that's great and art and all that. And then what happened, like, as you described that moving to the modern worship stuff? And with the CCM industry. Well, I think after, you know, DC Talk, we we reached an apex or a, or a ceiling where we kind of, uh, as any band does with a lot of egos, um, I think we needed a break from each other and a break from the process and the, and the machine that was constantly on the road. I mean, we were doing like 200 shows a year, yeah, you know, that's... constantly on a tour bus together. Oh. Um, and so you most bands that have more than a couple of big egos usually need break from that tension. I think, uh, and for that reason, we decided to take a break literally. And that was the, that was the whole idea behind the intermission. Um, and at that time I kind of felt like I was unleashed for the first time as an artist. And I said, you know, I'm going to make the record that I've always wanted to make based on my influences were more that were more like David Bowie and the Smiths and, and the cure. Cause that's what I listened to growing up. Um, and I just kind of went for it on stereotype B with the idea, the assumption that in a couple of years down the road, we get back together and make another album. Yeah. I think during that time when DC talk 
kind of stopped production, there was a huge shift in the industry, period. Um, and when I say industry, I'm talking about the Christian industry. I think with the lack of some of the bigger bands that were more entertainment driven, driven, then you started, they started focusing on this new format that was modern worship, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't know who started it. I don't know if it was whoever started it. But it, but it changed the way that um, bands uh, focused on the entertainment. And that's more well, music than people because play I, at church. That's modern worship. Sorry, go like, and Joe, you can speak to this from the point of view of a pastor. Like You knew what Christian music was way back, and then in churches after 2000, which you were involved in, it, it started to be a pop thing of like music yeah, that you play I mean, in church, which is different than just music made by Christians or something. Yeah, like it's... Like a lot of people listen to worship music now as like their go-to style pop. that they like yeah. to hear, you know. And I think speaking on what Kevin is saying too, as far as all music being all music, I agree with that. But I think Christians are the ones that make it so hard to have that mentality because they are creating their own little culture of of music that is that that does seem to be secluded. And so I don't know. For me, there does seem to be almost like there is like if you turn on a Christian radio station, it sounds like Christian music, whatever Christian music sounds like. But I totally agree. Totally agree with what you're saying. Because because it's a formula, and it's the same on certain pop stations too. That's a formula, um, and I think that um, it's run by a small group of people that have this specific sound that that they know that works. And they're not going to take risks and they're not going to go outside to look look for something different because it's working so well. So the listeners are culpable, as you say. Yeah. yeah. So uh, have you had any chance? Like, I, I actually thought hearing going into this interview that maybe you had like some major changes in your faith or approach to life or anything like that going on in your head. I just feel like a, as an artist, I'm I'm I've always been on the periphery as a solo artist. I've been on the on the outside of the Christian music market, even though at times they kind of draw me back in because of my inclusion with DC Talk. I've always had this uh, theory that I don't want to exclude anybody, but now I feel like I'm, you know, at 50 years old, I'm, I'm, I'm being able to make the music I want to make and there's no questions about where I'm going. And I'm not, I'm not afraid to, to move forward and not look back anymore does that mean and, you're um, not doing ccm music anymore i mean you wa you're walking well, away from yeah, that i mean I'm, I'm i haven't been making what you would typify as ccm music for many years mm -hmm. you know but now i feel like i'm i'm moving forward in the idea that i can create something uh without any anybody looking over my shoulder and telling me what what can sell and what can't sell then that used to happen and and i think that happened a lot more when you're in the industry because you've got labels you've got um you've got radio programmers mm -hmm. you've got so many people that are basically forcing this widget onto people and this i this formula um and i think until those things are broken it's going to be kind of the same Mm -hmm. um, sound constant. All right, folks, Beachbody On Demand is an online fitness streaming service that gives you unlimited access to a wide variety of highly effective world-class workouts personalized to meet your needs. And that's why I love it. It meets my needs. Like I was saying earlier, 
uh, I try to diet and eat low carb and then I get off of it and I feel bad and I was feeling kind of bad about myself. And so I just said, you know what? I got beach body. I'm, you know, I'm only going to do 10 minutes. I don't have much time. I'm just going to do 10 minutes. Ended up doing 20 and it was so easy to use. And that's why I love it. Beach body on demand is always there for me. I mean, they have all kinds of stuff, familiar brands, you know, like P90X and sanity 21 day fix. They got it all. And I just really enjoy mixing it up. Like sometimes Jess and I'll do yoga. You know, sometimes I'll try P90X or, or whatever. It, it's kind of, it's so vast and amazing that you can kind of do whatever you want to do. So uh, Beachbody On Demand is accessible uh, on your computer, web-enabled TV, and a smartphone or any other web-enabled device that you have. No need to go to that gym or schedule a class. Everything is right there on your personal device. And workouts range from cardio to weight training, yoga, low impact, and even dance. So you need to give this service a try. Right now, our listeners can get a free trial membership when you text Bad Christian, all one word, no spaces, to 303030. You will get full access to this entire platform for free. All the workouts and nutrition information for free. Just text Bad Christian, all one word, to 303030. It couldn't be easier to get in shape and to feel better. Seriously, bad text Bad Christian, all one word, to 303030. Can you help us understand what that influence looks like? You mentioned the labels or managers, the radio stations, the format, all that stuff. And you don't have to name names. Or it's not about that. But what, what does it look like from, I don't think people understand, what does it look like from an artist's point of view to be pushed or guided or led into a direction um, for essentially, I guess you're saying, because it, it's going to work or it's going to make money or how, how does that actually play out in real life? I mean, it, it's very black and white, I think, for, for for younger artists that are, you know, seeking out deals for the first time. I mean, they're, they're going to be people that come in and tell them what, what sells and what works. And because of that, they're going to have to do certain things and compromise in certain ways to make a sound that would be played on radio. Also, lyric, lyrically saying the right thing so it can be played on radio or that it can go out into this marketplace um, that we call the CCM or the Christian industry mm -hmm. um, and, and work on a winter jam mm -hmm. tour. Right. Um, you know, an artist is starting off for the first time that doesn't want to play by those rules, has their own creative ideas, has their own, has their own sound, is going to come up against a lot of you know, friction and tension from the gatekeepers, the gatekeepers that are saying, no, it's this way and this is what works. So let's stick with it. You know, so and that thinks that. So do you think there's even more onus on the industry people other than the artists that are like, it almost sounds like you're saying there are Christian artists, even in the CCM and worship worlds that intend to and want to do more interesting things. And the, you're saying actual gatekeepers are the ones keeping the music the way that it is? That's an old word for it. But yeah, there's, I mean, you know, if you break it down, we're talking about promoters. We're talking about um, program directors at radio. We're talking about the actual people that finance these things. Mm -hmm. And they have an idea of what they want to see on stage and what they want to hear on radio. And they know what works. So anything that's 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 outside of the realm of that that, that they're going to have to take a risk on, they're not going to want to do that because um, it's it's going so well. Mm -hmm. And I think you'd agree that Christian music is do is doing pretty pretty good. 
Well, let, 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 let Joey speak to that and you being know. a pastor of a church for how long have you been a campus pastor or, you know, like in leadership? 10 at, years. Yeah. So in, in even in the last 10 and before that, have you seen it become, you know, the, the connection to what you're seeing on Sunday, which is, I think, a big driver of it is what actually happens in churches on Sunday is actually driving what gets played on the radio and what is created yeah. that gets selected to get played on the radio. So yeah. have you well, seen I mean, that become like dominant, like the new this song or the new this song? Here well, they yeah. come. They're like, in I mean, 20... 20, 20 years ago, if someone came up to me and said, hey, have you heard the new such and such album? It was DC Talk, Jars of Clay, Striper, or whatever. Now it's, hey, have you heard, have you checked out the new Hillsong? I mean, that was, that was unheard of back then because the praise and worship music was something that you played at church or you played in your home when you wanted to worship. It wasn't something that you listened to out of enjoyment. Now it's just a huge market where it sounds cool. To me, I sometimes will will get into the actual guitar riffs because it reminds me of late 90s emo. I mean, it's just like, man, oh, I kind of like how that sounds. I mean, it, it seriously is more of a, a cooler brand, and it's a huge, But it is like a business model. That it's, it's almost similar to like uh, maybe, I, I don't know if I'm, this is the exact parallel, but like the EDM world or something where they're writing the songs not to necessarily get on the radio, but to get into the clubs. But the church is the clubs, and so right, right. you know if you, if you can get your song played in every church in America, you, they get a cut of that, and there's money, big money. In yeah. it. And well, so, here, here's and so, a perfect, and, and, and it does need to sound easily digestible, easily memorable, memorable. And there's a certain formula to writing those songs for sure. I think that I mean that that's what I was gonna say too. Did, like when you were talking about DC Talk, y'all y'all took like an intermission or a break. Did you feel like you guys couldn't come back because you weren't like you didn't fit the mold anymore? No, I don't think that was, um, I don't think, I, I, I don't think we felt like that, like we couldn't come back, but yeah, I think once, uh, once our, our, um, artistic egos were, uh, uh, unleashed and we were able to, um, you know, do our own thing. I think everybody felt that freedom and, and, uh, um, enjoyed doing that more than being in a band. Do you think, though, if, if DC Talk was to come back today, though, do you think you would have to fit into a mold that you didn't have to maybe when you started? I think much more today than we would have to back then. Absolutely. I wow. mean, um, I mean, just just judging what I hear on the radio and I don't and I don't listen to Christian radio that much at, yeah. at, at all. I mean, um, my wife listens to it in the car sometimes. My, mine, too. <laughs> I, I, I listen to XM radio. I listen to First Wave. That's mm -hmm. all I listen to. And then I'll listen to my CDs and whatnot. But um, yeah, so I'm, I would say absolutely from what I've heard, there is a lot more formula um, happening right now. And the box is tinier than it was in the 90s. And you would literally have to figure out something as, as DC Talk to conform to those sounds in order to get played on the radio, regardless of how big the name DC Talk is or mm -hmm. was if you had yeah. original well, it, music that was original style and just super exciting to you and core dc talk fans loved it it still is largely going to be kept out of stuff like christian radio which is crazy but that that I probably think to, is to true degree, it, 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 it I mean, have to be such a a, a, mm -hmm. a huge melod melodic hit and lyrical hit that mm -hmm. it would be undeniable right i mean and, and, pe wow. and people in the radio business talk about that a lot there's there's an opening for an undeniable thing that happens and changes everything. Just like Nirvana changed everything right. in the nineties, you know, right. yeah. 
It wasn't um, copying. I think a, a good example of that would probably be Mumford and Sons. If you told somebody whatever year before they came out to get on the radio, and they're like, "Yeah, we got a banjo and a so and so, whatever," they're like, "Well, yeah. sorry, not going to be on the radio." But when they made it to the radio, then everybody's like, "Get your banjos out or whatever it is," yeah. and that's just how it goes. I mean, I but the Christian I, I, one is so much more narrow. Like it doesn't like there's way way less possibility for somebody to break out or be undeniable there and it really is a, a very like think if something makes it to Joey's church on Sunday that means it also made it to literally every other church too right like it, it's yeah. either all or nothing you either fit that format and it hits the mainstream thing where oh this one works and if it's in one church on a Sunday morning with no direct connection, then it's going to be in all of them. That, that's, like, you know, why I, that's why I applaud churches that go out that that break the uh, that break the box and and uh, and play Alice Cooper. You know, <laughs> yeah. like um, you know, try something new. You know, um, you you might find some songs out there with some spiritual uh, content that that aren't on the ccli chart right ccli is the uh you know yeah i think a good a good ingredient of this discussion too is you look at john mark mcmillan who was in that worship realm when it was cool and it was something to listen to and now the guy is wanting to break out of that and in my opinion writing some of the best stuff out there but i think a lot of people are ignoring it because they're just assuming it's some of the same old same old worship stuff when it's actually or people buried. are afraid of change too like people want kevin max to stay kevin max they've always known or conform to the system they don't really do you do you find that like even like with your spiritual journey and getting older you think as an artist do you think you were confined like is it like you couldn't be fully artistic in in the in the music world you were in the christian music world well, in DC Talk, it was a it, it was a three person scenario, and um, so yeah, th there was a little bit more of um, some compromising there on the writing st standpoint. Sure. Um, but if if it was just me in the in the in the CCM world right now, trying to go for it on radio or whatever, I feel like I'd be up against a lot more than what I was back then. Absolutely. I mean, and I know that I, I and I know that I would be because I actually tried it a couple of years ago. I'm getting a song on the radio, but, really? um, you know, now I follow my, my, uh, muse and I follow my, my, my passion and my joy in creating music. And I know that radio probably isn't going to touch it with a 10 foot pole, but I, I really love creating music that I believe in and I don't want to put any, um, and you know, it's about finding a crowd now for, for alternative artists like me or indie artists that aren't on the radio it's really about connecting to the crowd and finding the people that do like what you do and growing that crowd. And um, that's where the adventure is right now for me. Well, you and have I, your I work cut out for you in some sense with the DC Talk fans. I heard this story the other day. We had a conference in Nashville, the Bad Christian Conference, and somebody told me that they went on the DC Talk cruise, which was that fun, by the way? It sounds like amazing <laughs> to do a cruise. I mean, I, I think I said this on another podcast just recently but um when i heard that that's all we were going to do i was i, I knew we were going to get a huge backlash yeah. on that but strangely and amazingly it went swimmingly oh that's true because people uh, got upset because you made a big announcement but it was only that you were doing the cruise yeah, and, yeah, it, was yeah, the, yeah. it was the way they marketed yeah. it you know if they wouldn't have built it up so much okay it's coming here it is the countdown right you know you guys we haven't done anything since intermission here it is yeah it's a cruise um, I can completely understand people, um, 
and their um, reactions to that. Because they thought, like, you're going to do more but, music. But was the cruise fun? But the cruise was fun. Yeah, I, I, I had a blast. I mean, it was like nostalgia um, on on 10. I mean, it was like, uh, it was amazing. I mean, and a couple of things that really hit me were some of the guys in, I think, in Toby's band and uh, might have been uh, somebody in the Newsboys remarked on how intricate some of the DC Talk songs were, the songwriting. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's what songs are. Mm-hmm, they're, yeah. they're supposed to have three or four different sections. And they're supposed to they're they're supposed to be some interesting channels and surprises. Bridges. Yeah, it's, it's it's not the same melody and the same lyric over and over and over again. I mean, and that's the great thing about the '90s and the great thing about the '80s, even back to the '50s. I mean, music was um, all over the map, mm-hmm. you know, without as much formula. Well, anyway, it's this, interesting it, too that that we felt it feels the most frustrating thing for me, and we've been in this world too with our band and Emory and stuff, but. I cannot seem to understand how if we have if we believe in God and he is uh, I say this all the time the creator of all but like the most creative being that you could know of why would we confine the way we worshiped him so systematically and just so narrowly and in a funnel it just it it had it, it, it it's it's like just so low bar to honor God with sometimes like you're right like even just even just Mixing it up a little bit, changing some things, uh, a few lyrics here and there. Like, I, I don't understand what I, I really do wonder, and I don't know maybe if you saw this in your career, Kevin. How did it become where people just wanted it to be so digestible and that we didn't have to like wrestle with lyrics? Like, everybody knows, like, usually whenever I would buy an album or have bought an album, the song that I don't listen to the most in the beginning is usually ends up being my favorite song because I had to wrestle with it and work with it. But why is it that the church just goes, no, just here's these lyrics that'll easy and you'll worship God this way with the simplest nothing. Did you see a change or how that, why that even came about? My, my thought about that is that we've become a fast food culture. You know, everything is Mm -hmm. at our fingertips and, you know, people are cherry picking on uh, Spotify and Apple music and nobody has the, the, the fortitude to sit and listen to a whole album anymore. Yeah. That's so interesting let compared to fast food. The, let alone look at the lyrics, you know what I mean? And, and you know, when I listen to music, I, you know, the other day I, I grabbed uh, w- The War on Drugs and, and, the, and the album Deeper Understanding. And I literally sit there with my vinyl and put my reading glasses on and go through the lyrics. And, that, and that's the joy for me is to try to figure out where these people were coming from when they wrote this. Yeah. And, what, and what they're speaking about, you know, um, what is their life experiences and why were they you know, led to write this. And I think it, today it's just all about, you know, an immediate mm-hmm. grab emotionally making yourself feel good in a car or like booty dancing at a party with your friends and nobody really cares about the lyrics anymore. That's nobody, got, that fast food analogy is really yeah. helpful because, you know, I, it validates what what I've been told before from label people, which is, this Christian music is music made for people that are not fans of music. They're just people that use music in their life, it's which a is background. It's a background. Yeah, it's yeah, not it's for people. It's not for people that like music. It's for everybody else, which no. is bigger. It's like how how brilliant is that? You've created a product for p- people that aren't even fans of the thing. It's for everybody to have on easily in the background, which is like fast well, they- food. You're not into cuisine. You're hungry. You just need yeah. something, right. so you put it in you your may- mouth and move you- on. You made a great point, and it's like um, I'm still the kind of artist that is 
almost kind of like I, I think about an album when I create an album. Okay. And I think about the album tracks when I'm making an album. And I, I like the weirder tracks myself. Mm-hmm. And I put them on there because th- there's got to be a floor, flow of the story. The storyline has to be there in order for it to be a concept record to me. It can't just be all singles. It's got to be songs that go a bit deeper. And, uh, you know, a friend of mine, Ryan Tedder, who's in One Republic, he basically made this statement to me the other day. And he's like, I don't believe in making albums anymore. I just make singles. Mm-hmm. And if I could create just singles instead of albums, I'd be so much happier because that's what that's what people are moving towards now. It's almost kind of like back in the 50s yeah. where it was all about the, the single. And, and uh, so I think it's sad because I do love I do love albums, you know. I'd rather listen to The Cure for two and a half hours than listen to their one hit single. Mm-hmm. It's just, it is just digestible. And, and like, and you're right, you made this point earlier. It, it happens in pop music, it happens in every form of music, it happens in every business in yeah, general. Like Max Martin, Max Martin from Sweden and his mm-hmm. teams that created Britney Spears and Christina right. Aguilera and Katy Perry. I mean, it's, it's the same thing. Yeah. But then it's funny when you pair that with people thinking that these bands, are uh talking about our god like you know what i mean like like that there is no system that man this song was written and i'm supposed to now raise my hands and worship to this even though it was delivered through a system and a plan to get them to actually have that reaction to it like that's what that's what bothered me when i was a worship leader some of the songs that we were you know asked to sing or or to do uh i was like man i'm playing the song and this is going. This this song is going to sound like the next song, and I guarantee it. This part of the song is where everybody feels the emotion, and it's this this plan has been made to get people here. And I, and I was like, and I'm I'm leading them into this. Like, is it really worship? And they they would say it is, but it's it it it's a design to produce that outcome. Like, it's it, the, you know what it's I mean? The de- it's the dead opposite of rock and roll, which. Rock and roll, shoot, you should be on the edge of your seat every second as an artist coming up with something brand new on stage. And the energy of being out on a limb and not knowing, right. you know, what's going to happen next. That's excitement to me. And that's where the passion comes from. But when you're singing the same thing over and over again, and it's so rehearsed, I don't see where any passion can come from that. But another thing I wanted to say too. Um, it's the difference, be- you know, I don't know if you've read Francis Schaeffer, How Should We Then Live, you know, which is basically talking about if God is the ultimate creator, then why as we, w- why aren't we as Christians trying to create on this, you know, uh, level of like what they did in the Renaissance when yeah. um, these guys were creating, they were, they were believers and they were creating these fantastical portraits that, that just blew people's minds. And we're out there and, and definitely controversial. But uh, I think it's gone now for whatever reason. And um, yeah. Well, people I'd just like the easy. Yeah, they just like <laughs> the easiest thing that's digestible. And also people are, you know, it's a human quality to be set in your ways. And that's what I was going to say is funny to me about um, the story I was telling about the cruise. The guy I was talking to at our conference said that he went on the cruise and he said it was great and you guys were awesome and all that stuff. But he said he was wearing a bad Christian t-shirt at the on the cruise and he said he got he could not believe how many dirty looks he got and people that did not <laughs> like it. He said somebody came up to him and said, why are you wearing that shirt? You know that they are working with Satan and trying to destroy everything that Jesus has done. <laughs> 
everything that Jesus yeah, has done that's is what my they goal said. to end. <laughs> so you, so I'd like funny. to. Th- I, I'm and I've, you, and I've gotten in your... the church system. I'm on yeah. the inside. Boy, right. I'm really screwing things up. <laughs> so Kevin, what my point of that is, uh, I, I think you have somewhat of your work cut out to get those fans over to your new material. But let's talk about your new material and what and it I'm is. Not, and I'm, your not really wor- I'm not really worried about it. If if they, if they do come over, I'm 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 happy. If they don't, you know, I, I just hope that they go after something, uh, you know, more than what they're being fed, mm-hmm. you know. But anyway, anyway, sorry, yeah. Well, but um, let's talk I about have, your solo music now. It's going to be a, you're not going to attempt to make a, a CCM single, for instance. Like that's not even not even you're not. I don't even I don't even know how to do right. that. Um, I'd have to bring in a CCM writer that knows how to do that in order to, yeah. be, mm-hmm. to have something like that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the new album that I'm working on right now is called A Wall. And um, it's kind of all over the map, but it it uh, it's all about the influences that I grew up listening to: Joy Division, The Cure, um, David Bowie. Um, and those influences are there, but we're creating kind of like I'm wanting it to sound kind of post-punk, but also with a little bit of a synth um, synth vibe to it as well, because I play keyboards, and so that's my that's my instrument. So when I'm sitting down at my uh, studio, I'm usually I'm usually in, in synth world. So that, mm-hmm. that comes into the music. Um, but it's definitely not pop music. It's alternative. I don't know any other way to describe it really, but, um, I'm excited about it. We're, we're getting ready to, uh, finish the second side of it in New York city. Um, the bass player from the Smiths have been, has been playing on the record, amazing. Oh, York, nice. which is amazing. I got the drummer from a band called St. Vincent. I don't know if you know who mm-hmm. St. Yeah. Vincent is. She's cool. an incredible Fantastic. female artist. So, um, and my producer, Kieran Kelly, who's worked with Susan Stevens and a lot of other people. Um, so it's a lot of New York indie rock guys making this album with me. And it's been, it's been fascinating. And they push me, um, they push me from a place of, of as an artist to, 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 to go further. And in Nashville, I feel like I'm stuck in this thing mm-hmm. where everybody's like, well, the drum, the drum sound has to be just like this. Yeah. And if you don't EQ it like this, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. And the guys in New York City are like, no, just bring it up and let it freaking rip, you know? Yeah. And um, I brought it back here to Nashville, and I was like, oh, man, those drums are mic totally wrong. Wrong. <laughs> not, not different. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> just wrong. And uh, so, yeah, I'm doing it through Pledge Music um, right now. The funding is through Pledge. We've already re- reached our goal of 100 percent now we're at 119 percent so it's fun everything else is congratulations we're gonna go make videos strange crazy videos in Prague, you know on a train and then maybe uh maybe like you know maybe mud wrestling i don't know something (laughs) there you go out of the ordinary (laughs) is there uh any kind of like uh vision you have for lyrical content are you like is it personal or what what what, are you writing stories well i mean i mean if um you know if you know how I write it's it I write more from a, an abstract scenario um and my wife always brings this up to me she's like why are your songs so abstract and I said it's uh, that's how I enjoy writing but there are definitely songs about stories on this album uh the first the first song on the album is called Melissa I'll listen and it's about a girl that I knew in high school that was kind of a goth chick and she uh she had problems and it that the song is really about me saying, Hey, I'll listen to you. You know, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll be the one that listens to you when everybody else is bullying you. I'll sit here and listen to you. So 
that that's a little bit about my past. I wrote a song about about uh, being in the music industry right now and where we're at, and that's called Brand New Hit, and uh, that one really gets into it. And the and the song AWOL is about non it's about nonconformity, you know, and um, not listening to politicians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I don't it's even really. I, I believe more in anarchy than I do the current state of the government. So, is it safe to say that all things considered, you being a part of DC Talk is definitely more of a help than a hindrance? Just because of, I mean, out of all of your fans that used to listen to you, I'm sure there's a huge chunk that want to keep up with what you're doing now. I mean, that's got to be helpful because you guys are so big. I mean, is that accurate statement or do you ever think, ah, I wish I could shed some of that DC talkness? <laughs> it's a, I think it's a, it's kind of split down the middle. Um, but what's cool about it is that, you know, the listeners are in their forties yeah, and, uh, some of them are in their fifties like me and, um, they've learned about how to change with music and they've been tempered a little bit more than maybe a young listener. And, uh, I feel like they listen to my songs and go, okay, I can relate to that at least on the level of like, you know, he's lived a lot of life. He's, he's asking the bigger questions and I get that, but there's the other side, there's the other 50% that are like, man, he's, He's the, always been the weirdest member of DC Talk. I, I've never really liked him. Never liked his hair. Never liked his hair. Uh, you know, never liked what he wore on stage and, and his very white dance moves. Uh-huh. So why the interest? Uh, uh, why why uh, the interest in the video? Why the what? Why the interest in the video that we're doing? He means movie. Like what's what's uh, yeah. movie? Yeah, what's compelling yeah. about that? Or to documentary? You? Well, I want. I mean, first of all, I like what you guys are 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 trying to say and what what you are saying and and that you're asking some of the bigger questions. I think that has to happen. And uh, I went to see the teaser video on Kickstarter, and I really liked uh, what was being said there too. And um, you know, I I think uh, people need to wrestle with this. People need to talk about this. Um, in the churches, outside the churches, uh, outside Winter Jam, in the crowd, they need to they need to talk about it. Um, and so I think you're doing something really really good here. And we should shake the tree. We should question our leaders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for no sure. doubt. Well, we thank I, you for the interest I, in that. I appreciate you yeah, reaching out about definitely. it. Definitely. I'll ask I'll ask one last question, Kevin. I'll, I'll do the Tim Ferriss thing. But uh, now that you're in your fifties, uh, I'm going to catch up to you here soon. Uh, what what would you tell twenty year old Kevin? Uh, what like about being an artist or being a man or or anything like this? Anything you wish you could tell him? Yeah, I mean, don't don't listen to management. <laughs> I like that one. It's to don't the point. To record labels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? Don't don't listen to those in authority over you because they have no clue about how to make music. Yeah. You know, and um. I learned that the hard way anyways. What I, a I crazy idea that you would say the per- person that's working for you that you hire that's trying to get your money is an authority in the first place. Like that's right. like they're, they're your boss. The like you hire them to help you the and now they're your boss. I mean, it's insane. in music are, yeah. are the people that are in the, in the music industry, in, in my yeah. opinion. Um, but there's been some great people in my past too. There's been some fascinating people that truly get it. And I think there are some people out there that, that get it, but they're hemmed in by all the people that don't get it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they have a hard time being able to push push through the fence, you know. Yeah, um, sure. 
But you guys are you guys are a part part of that. You're part of helping the discussion. And the more people can, can start talking about it, you know, all these people that are on social media all day, mm-hmm. you know, if they could see a couple of these things coming through their feed instead of just one. That's right. Then the discussions start start to happen. Yeah. I mean, if you just think about it from that point of view, if we had a manager and agent and people that were our bosses here, they would always just be saying, no, don't. Yeah, no, you can't say no, that. No, don't. Yeah. That's all they would have ever said. And that's why yeah. we don't have any help. Yeah. You probably wouldn't even be able to wear those baseball caps. <laughs> not, not I even. know it. Yeah, that's just a, uh, Well, the other, th- the other thing that everybody missed in this interview was a couple – I know we're going to wrap it up now, but everybody missed the part where Kevin said he was now an anarchist and wanted to overthrow the government. Did y'all not – did y'all miss that? <laughs> I think I missed <laughs> we'll that, We'll to do that <laughs> next time. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that next time, right? Uh, but well, you – I want to move to Prague and uh, ride an Irish wolfhound down to the, uh, <laughs> the, the local coffee shop pub and, and uh, write poetry the rest of my life. But that's not going to happen. Well, I know you heard us on the beginning. We were talking about uh, Billy Graham. And since that's just pertinent and you're involved in that world and everything else, do you have any thoughts or anything to say about Billy Graham before we go? Yes. Um, I mean, Billy Graham, you know, we met him as a band and – he asked us to come on stage and perform and do our thing um, before he got up to speak. And um, man, all I can say about that is uh, he was the real deal. He was, he was very graceful. He was very kind. Um, He seemed very old school to me in in the way that he, the, the way that he spoke and he told a story, but, but you didn't feel the judgment from him at all. Mm-hmm. You kind of felt him wanting to put his arms around everybody, pray for them, hug them, instead of, you know, judging them or condemning them. Yeah. And that's the overall feeling that I got from him. And uh, I really liked his wife, Ruth, who's like a poet. So when we got to meet them at their home, Ruth Graham and I went over to a corner and started talking about poetry. And that, and that was way more interesting than everything <laughs> else cool. that was going on. So, um, you know, he's a strong, he was a strong character. And I think, yeah, I think God used him in a mighty way. And, um, uh, it's sad that our, uh, the, the people that are out there today with that platform aren't doing the kind of things that he did trying to bring people together. The ecumenical side, if you will. Yeah, well, very good. All right, thank well, you for the thoughts, uh, Kevin. Tell us, tell us again. Can we? Uh, you, you got a song we might could play? Yeah, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you one. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, the new the new single is um, that we're gonna focus on Spotify. There's a couple of options right now, but why don't I just I'll throw you Melissa. I'll listen. Okay. We talked about that a little bit. That's a story okay. Let's do that one. One of the girls from my high school. Okay, days. cool. So we'll listen to a little bit of Melissa. I'll listen as we let you go, Kevin. We're going to roll that song, and thank you for being on today. We'll talk to you soon, and we'll do some stuff on the movie. Love you guys. See you, man. Peace out. Well
I want to say this um keep doing what you're doing i mean seriously i mean i'm i'm between two worlds you know um but there are a lot of young people coming up or other people that are entering into the business of music and arts for the first time that need to hear this you know mm -hmm. and they need to they need to um they need to ask these questions and i think it's great appreciate it Thanks, we man. appreciate you very much kevin yeah all right it's good to all catch right, up to you soon peace out You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com.